Hey, Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe authentic, connected relationships are the key to growing your potential. Today, we are joined by Leanne Elliott, co-host of HubSpot Podcast Network sibling show, Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture. Julie, guess what? What? We can be happy. The key is to avoid the deadly arithmetic of compassion. You are here to learn how the 2008 financial crisis reshaped workplace culture, how a demotion and an anti-mentor can lead to a wonderful opportunity for sustained success, and why we must all actively avoid the deadly arithmetic of compassion. I can't wait. After this episode, please rate, subscribe, and share Augmenters with those closest to you. Here we go. Another question I have for you, you mentioned the term, a commercial case for culture. So like there has to be, you know, the ROI, let's get out our, you know, our MBA hat behind it. Why has it taken so long or why does there still have to be like this quote unquote, like numbers behind a commercial case for culture when 50% of our lives awake are usually spent at work? And why wouldn't it just be intuitive to humans that if other humans were in some kind of harmonious relationship with each other for at least 50% of their days, we would have a better society and world. Why is that not just like a base assumption for like, like breathing? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. I think, you know, I think the last, I think it's a particularly good question now, given the kind of shifts we've been through probably since the global financial crisis, really, and, and the shifts yeah. in, in the workplace we've seen. I think previous to that, you know, there was engaging work was a very different relationship you know you, you had a job for life typically you had benefit you know good benefits you had a secure pension mm. you knew that if you went to work nine to that five Monday to Friday you could retire yeah. at 60 and, and everything's grand you, we don't have that anymore we don't have that level of security in our work anymore which I think is why there is this shift now particularly in terms of you know the the workforce and I think you start with the millennials and we're definitely seeing with the, the gen z's that are coming through now you know people don't want just a paycheck they want a purpose people don't just want to be satisfied in their job they want to be developed within their job you know people don't want to focus on you know what's your biggest weakness they want to focus on how do I leverage my strengths and I think it's really this larger shift which now I think in the context we're currently in I think that question is absolutely bang on Jimmy how is this not just just common sense at this at this point for businesses and I think people are coming around to it and I think people are paying attention to it and certainly in the corporate world you know the last kind of 10-15 years have seen massive shifts in how people and culture is prioritized and managed and I think as time goes on that's trickling down into smaller and medium-sized businesses which in the UK is you know more than 90% of the organization so it's so important that this best practice trickles down but I think that's maybe why that these questions are more poignant now than ever is because of the the shifts we've been through work now is unrecognizable you know to, to 25-30 years ago. Leanne, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. Has inspired you? Who has created some of these deep, authentic relationships with you to help you really grow to your potential? And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, I think I wasn't lucky enough to have a great first boss, but maybe he was my anti-mentor, if that's a thing. I don't know. It but is. I, we I, hear about it a lot. It? <laughs> yes, we hear about it a lot. Okay. Yes. Okay. So maybe that, that's what it was, but he was, yeah, he was, I think I learned so much from them by basically thinking as long as I do the opposite of what they do 
it'll be fine. So yes, yeah, so that was kind of the first boss I had. But my most influential boss was, uh, yeah, a guy called John, who was, I didn't know at the time, but it was a big deal. He was a CBE, which is one below a knight in the UK. Sorry, a what? A CBE? A knight. You know, like Sir Elton John has a knighthood. Yes. So yeah. a CBE oh. is one one below that. So yeah, so he was a big deal. He used to work in the... um the British cabinet, in oh. the director of employment in the cabinet office. I didn't know this. He was a very humble guy. He'd never <laughs> know until somebody kind of, you know, we'd, we'd get out of him. But I was a new manager. I was a young manager. Basically, all of my team were were older than me, which was an interesting position to be in. I was only 26. Um, it was a startup environment as well, contracts, so lots of different challenges, well beyond my level of experience in terms of contract management. But I was kind of given the faith that because of my background in psychology and my previous success in terms of, of team leadership that I'd be able to do it and I couldn't <laughs> it went horribly wrong and oh, within wow. seven months I was demoted from regional manager of the north of England and um, to just office manager within the, the northwest so same role but smaller smaller footprint and he was amazing he was just kind of like do you know what this is hard this is tough but you've learned so many lessons and now you get to go at it again with a smaller area with less demands on you and yeah he I think it was that beautiful combination in any great mentor I think is somebody who can help you develop your professional skills and your professional competence in whatever role it is that, that you do um, but also gives you that social support as well that psychological support as well he was my mentor he was my counsellor and in the end, he was one of my dear friends. And of course, with his support, it all went better. And we ended up completely smashing it in terms of performance. I ended up getting promoted again to above the position that Ooh. I was kind of held before when I got demoted. It all worked out. But I think um, what I learned so much about from John was that his, it was all about relationships. And one thing that he did, I said before, about the importance of an employee voice. And he would sit down every single member of staff on the contract at the beginning of every quarter, whether they were a manager, whether whether they were a coach, whether they were admin staff, whether they were compliance, every single person he would sit down with for half an hour, see how they're doing, see what they needed, see what was working well, what could be improved on. And then he'd feed all of this back to me. We'd make those changes and make those improvements and, and carry on. So I think that's the first lesson was the importance of employee voice, that people feel empowered when they're heard and that empowerment translates into performance. And I think secondly, he really taught me what it was to be a manager and he kind of said to me you know hide the wires that's what we're here to do we're here to take away the noise and hide the wires your only job is to make sure everyone else is doing their job and the best way you can do that is to create an environment where they feel trusted they feel empowered they have the resources they need they're clear on what their role is um and they have you know your support and, and your mentorship and, and coaching when they need it and yeah that in itself it not only made a difference to my career with that organization but certainly yeah shaped the rest of my so hide my the career wires, meaning the like sort of puppet strings right so have them feel that you are connected with them they are and they're doing it themselves even though there is an element yeah. of kind of the coaching that comes behind it. I had never thought of that before. Yeah, it's like we were kind of saying before, you know, if, if a leader comes in and, and just starts losing it because they've had a bad day and blah, blah, blah. It's a similar thing, you know, I've, I might have a senior director in my ear saying, this needs to happen, this is happening, we're getting audited on this day and this gone and, and basically add a whole load of stress onto my day. I hide the wires. My team don't see that. They don't hear that. And it's not a case of not being transparent. It's a case of you don't need to know that. You don't need that stress on you you need to just you need what you need to do your job you know hide the wires hide the noise
So I'm like actually at a loss for words because like to me, this must have been a, a just so clear to earlier generations. I mean, let's go back a thousand years that like if your city state isn't happy, you're probably not going to win the next war or like defend against the next set of raiders. And like a thousand years before that, I assume like your nomadic tribe, if y'all aren't happy, you're just like not even going to reproduce and like it's just over. So like, did we get away from this because in like, you know, the classic, I'd say organizational psychology idiom is like once you get over, most people can only hold what, 60, 80 relationships in their head. And then Julie Myers, like a freak, so she can do like 250 <laughs> relationships. I mean that like pleasantly freak but like isn't that kind of like the idiom that once we get past that like folks start having problems kind of keeping it together in their head and that's why we create departments and all these other things but like we don't then have the proper leadership within these departments to make the little city state of you know 80 people working in you know enterprise sales give a shit about each other this is a it's such an interesting area of psychology i think that as you say it's the number of relationships we can hold and there's there's a theory called the the deadly arithmetic of compassion and it basically Ooh. means we talked about this it's on the a of tick of compassion. Wow. Yeah. We've talked about it on, on Truth and Lies before, and it basically means that our feeling system isn't very good at counting. So as on a one-to-one level, I can feel huge amounts of empathy for you. But when we kind of expand that to larger groups of people, our brains and our feelings can't really compute or quantify that level. It's why in marketing you'll see fundraising drives or charity drives will focus on the story of one person rather than the millions of people that are suffering from famine because we can't compute it. It doesn't have that impact. So I think it's the same when you get large organizations and, you know, the leaders at the top can't compute their behaviors, their actions having such significant impact. If they've got 10,000 employees, 50,000 employees, it doesn't, which is why, again, you're relying on your local managers and those frontline teams to give that support, to show that compassion and make sure that even if it isn't coming directly from the top, although it can and it should, even if it isn't, there is at a local level that that empathy, that relationship, that understanding. And you are making the best possible case for mentoring. Thank you so much. You are like <laughs> literally holding up a champion. I'm thinking of like a chariot, like with the flame coming out, like now we're back a thousand years ago. But really this is like, this is exactly it because our experience has been when senior managers have mentoring relationships with more junior team members, you know, you forget what it's like to be in that position and you forget what it's like to be in that position today. To all of our points, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you also didn't really, your job did not have as much value in bringing you happiness, right? It was, I think a lot of times now relationships like marriages, right? It's like, oh no, this person has to be like, <laughs> has to play like 90 different roles in my life. And now your job isn't just your job. It's your personal fulfillment and it's your spiritual, you know, home. And it's like, you know, all these things. So Going back to the point about having those deep one-on-one -on -one relationships and really hearing those personal stories, organizations that have mentoring programs that go across department, that go across function, that go across from top to bottom, I think you really are able to get that one-on-one -on -one stories and really it's not just like, oh, we're going to get rid of this whole department. It's like, no, we're getting rid of these actual people and that you've created those relationships as well. So it, so it changes your perspective. Thank you for that. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.com.
us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.